Welcome back to Round Guy Radio as we continue our coverage with spring sports and we're talking specifically about soccer as the playoffs have started. We got Coach Katie on the line of the William of the Mid Prairie uh, Golden Hawks. Welcome back to the program, Coach. Hey, it's good to be talking to you again. Well, you you had a, a, a tough battle with Hillcrest Academy, but you came out on top and you're going to advance. Can you give our listeners a little uh, uh, overview of the game? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we didn't really have any film on them. We uh, kind of thought in our minds they'd probably still play the same type of uh, soccer as what they've been playing for the past few years, and we kind of had an idea of how they like to set people up and then try to take advantage of backside uh, runs with balls served into the box. So we just uh, we just told the guys we're just going to play a basic set, safe defense there for the first half, and then at halftime, um, between us coaches, we'd have a we'd have a real good idea of where we were going to make our adjustments, uh, where we could drop a ball into, and then attack and be more organized moving forward. Um, you know, when you get to the postseason, it doesn't really matter how many goals you score, just as long as you score one more than your opponent, and you that way you get the win. So, uh, like I said, we played a safe first half. We uh, had a lot of areas we felt like we could attack, and uh, so we took the took our whiteboard and we threw it up for the kids at halftime and showed them where people need to be moving to. And uh, you know, we go from only taking you know like four shots in the uh, in the first half to dominating the entire second half to where we ended up with uh, 23 shots on the game on them and 15 of those were in goal on goal. Um, I'd tell you they had they had incredible goalkeepers, definitely the best goalkeeper we've seen all season. We had four shots that were just lasers and they should have they should have been goals and he made diving extended grabs and stuck those grabs and hung onto that ball and uh, kind of cheated us out of uh, a few more goals that we should have had. But, uh, you know, credit to them. They they played us hard and made us really work for it. But, uh, you know, our kids did a good job of listening to us and uh, made it toward the second half. It was pretty much total control by us. We had it in their half of the pitch the entire second half and uh, never really had to look back or feel like we were threatened on the evening. Our, uh, our goalkeeper, Justice, he only had one save on the evening, so that pretty much tells you how well our team performed and uh, how dominant we, we were in the game. Yeah, that Hillcrest Academy, that's a great school and a great athletic tradition. And I don't think anybody's always excited to say, oh, great, we get to play Hillcrest, though. Right, right, yeah, and we also knew too. You know, they've been coming off. They had a couple of good seasons a few years ago, but uh, uh, you know, their their numbers were kind of lower for uh, activities here the past few years. And uh, their their soccer team this year that's it's a, it's kind of a crazy mix because they have like six freshmen on the team, and then they have six seniors, and then out of a squad of total fifteen student athletes, they only have three people filling in the gaps between there. So. You know, it's, it's pretty diverse, and it's kind of hard to get good team consistency. I've, I've been down that road, believe me. Um, we've had phenomenal teams, and then we've had to rebuild for a few years. And when you got to get that big gap between your upperclassmen and your underclassmen, it's just it's hard to stay consistent and, and uh, get the team to work, as you know, with continuity the entire season. So hats off to them. I think they had a good year. But, uh, hey, we move on, and uh, we get to face, uh, face an old foe that we uh, seem to have a lot of troubles with. You know, I uh, I have a philosophy that uh, at the end of the season, there aren't any rookies. You know, everybody's right. got, got a year uh, under their belt and uh, probably made a lot of tremendous improvement. And uh, so uh, you moved on. So who, who who do we play next? 
Uh, now we have to go back down and, and face West Liberty again. Uh, that was the team we played at the, uh, they were our, our uh, regular season final game. Uh, we traveled to West Liberty to play them. Uh, we ended up losing that match 1-0. It was tied at halftime. Uh, the agreement between coaches and the players where we really didn't want to show them a whole lot. We just kind of going down there. We wanted to see more of what they wanted to present to us <laughs> and um, attacking wise, what their defensive shape was. Um, we decided to play, you know, a few situations to see how they would react. Um, the game, you know, yeah, it's like, it's nice to win, but in, in theory, it's basically, it's a meaningless game because the postseason pods are already set. Whether you win or lose that game, it doesn't really affect anything. You know, you want to make sure you're winning the win, winning the one now that's in postseason. So, like uh, so we didn't show them a whole lot. Uh, we still played them hard. We played them close, and uh, it ended up being a one-zero game. So, definitely confident. Second round, you know, we can um, go down and play these guys. The game has been moved from their uh, from their football field down to Muscatine, which is going to be a, uh, a field or a pitch that's basically the same size as what we've got here at Mid Prairie. And we definitely feel that um, having a bigger field will, will help us. We're very athletic um, for what we want to do with uh, attacking with them. It's, it's going to give us a little bit more advantage too and make them maybe pin them back on their heels a little bit. So um, we'll just have to see if uh, we can uh, – erase a couple of mistakes from when we played them the first time and come out a goal ahead on these guys. So what is the, uh, uh, who are, who do they have that might cause you some matchup problems? Uh, they got a very good forward. Uh, young man's name's Josiah Galvin. He's uh, probably the top five in the state in scoring very fast. Um, he does a good job of bringing the ball to his feet. They like to try to hit him on a deep ball and you know, you can't really cover him with one guy because if he beats a guy, he's to goal. So you got to put a guy on top of him and you got to put a guy underneath him as well. And so when you're tying two people up, then what they're doing is they're trying to bring somebody backside of him with at least one runner, sometimes a delayed runner. Uh, if the first runner's covered up, which we did a good job in the first game of playing them, but then you have to worry about somebody making a run from somewhere else in the pitch because you're, you've already got three of your four backs consumed. So, if you get a lazy holding midfield and you got somebody that's not getting back and they're going to bring a man free and that can be the next dangerous uh, point of their attack. So just being able to have somebody that can, um, they, they can play the ball out to and he can hold it and possess it so well. And he's just so darn fast. Um, I think he went to state again in track uh, this year for shuttle hurdle relay. I don't, I don't even know if he ran the entire course of the year. I think they just put him in a shuttle hurdle relay at, at the, at the districts and they made it to state. That's just how incredible athletic this guy is. And, and I think he's also going to go play football at UNI. Um, he's a big, tall kid. Uh, I think he's about six, four. And uh, it just, like I say, he's just somebody that can give you fits and you, and you definitely got to know where he's at the whole time. So, um, you know, managing him. And then they are a, a group of student athletes that play a lot of club soccer together. So probably half their team, uh, goes to Muscatine and plays club soccer year round. Their their head coach is a um, a club soccer coach, and he actually has development for them down there as well. So, you know they they don't have as many what I would call four sport athletes as compared to what we have. We have zero club kids on our team, whereas you know half their team might be clubs. So, when you get to the postseason, you know, and we've told our kids. 
you know, when you get to postseason, this is when you're going to start running into the teams that have a lot of club kids and you, you have to have your mistakes wiped out because those club teams that are, that are heavy, uh, you know, they're going to, they're going to take advantage of that mistake or they're going to find that weak point. They're going to expose it. And when you try to cover up for something you got exposed on, they're going to take advantage of you on a backside. So, um, going to be a difficult game. Definitely going to have to be one of our best games of the year to come out and win it, but it's definitely a winnable game for us. Well, one of the strengths of your team seems to be that you don't have that one guy to key on. You have everybody to key on. It, it probably presents a lot of problems for the other coach, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, because like last night when we played, we just kind of kept everybody back and we played well-reserved. And then, you know, we, we almost made a substitution change in the first half and and my son wanted to bring a kid up from the back. And I said, just hold, I said let's just keep him buried. Not until halftime. Let's bring him out at halftime, and then that way they can't make the adjustment when we bring him up, you know. Uh, sometimes when you show your hand a little too early, and then you give – you know, in soccer, there aren't any timeouts. So the only time you get to make adjustments with your whole entire team is at halftime. So uh, we waited until half until we made the change, you know, with this young man. And, it, and then it completely changed the whole game for us as to where we kept the possession. We took our kids that could score. And put him forward and then just gave the other, you know, gave Hill Chris Fitz the rest of the rest of the evening with it because, you know, now they had to account for us putting the, pinning them back. And if you become a very offensive team, you know, sometimes you leave the other team with no other option other than to play defense because you can't get it out and they have to drop another player back because if they don't, they're going to get scored on many times. So you can actually change the game by, you know, changing your lineup as well. So, um you know, with that, we have to be careful, though, as well, too, because we're going to deal with a team at West Liberty that we have to pick our moments because we know that we can get exposed by um, making that move. And if we have one person that doesn't quite understand his responsibilities and you get exposed, you get down that goal, um, you know, it's going to be tough to dig out of it. The postseason, your, your matches are probably going to be one goal wins. And um, the days of having the the, the real easy games where you're going to put five or six on somebody, it's going to be over with. And, you know, the closer you get to that state championship, it's just going to be one or two goals to decide the game. So you have a, a tremendous athlete at uh, goalie. And I think any team that's going to advance in the, this really rough playoffs that that's going on right now is going to have to have a, a goalie like that. T- tell us about your goalie and uh, what a superior athlete he is. Yeah, Justice, you know, they, um, Justice and Braden Hartley, they, they had actually were up at the state, uh, um, track meet yesterday before they came to us. So they had qualified for state in the shuttle hurdle relay and they had ran that about approximately two o'clock. Um, they said they came back that I guess they broke the school record again in the shuttle hurdle relay, but, um, it was still only a, a 12th place finish. So they did not move on to the finals on Saturday but they at least improved their time. So uh, when they got there, our game didn't kick off till 6.30, and they got to us about, oh, 10 till 6. And uh, they just looked hot. You could tell, you know, they'd been in the sun all day. They were kind of wore out, but, uh, you know, they stepped out on the pitch and did everything for us. But uh, back to your original question of the goalkeeping, goalkeepers in soccer, if you've got a complete player, he, he's not going to be somebody that just catches the ball and then punts it and throws it back, you know, kicks it back to midfield. So in order to have a complete uh, goalkeeper, it's got to be a player that your defense, when they're in trouble and they got somebody on their back, they feel comfortable of actually passing the ball back to him 
he can take a touch and then he can play forward with the ball because he's facing the direction that, you know, the ball needs to be traveling. Um, and it, up until last year, we never had anybody at Mid Prairie that our defense felt comfortable enough of actually playing a ball back to the goalkeeper and taking pressure off the defense. And Justice um, has come a long ways as understanding on, you know, he's got a good touch. He can, he can play a ball on his feet. He, he can take, uh, you know, we don't, we don't like to put the ball in his hands and then have him punt it because if he does, um, then you're basically, as soon as that ball is in the air, you're turning it back into what we call a 50-50 ball. So then we have to fight to try to win again. So we, we have justice, you know, trying to roll the ball out to one of our persons, you know, one of our players' feet. We can um, just pass the ball and continue up the field of passing and make the other team chase it rather than make it into a 50-50. So not only are you looking at his hands, but you're also looking at is he smart enough to distribute the ball to our own team. So now we don't have to continue to play defense. We can play offense and make the other team chase the ball, wear them out. And, uh, you know, basically like in the, in the case of last night, Hillcrest wasn't very deep on their on their team with only 15 players. And so, uh, you know, when we get the ball, can we start knocking it around, start making them have to shift, get out of position because now they're getting tired. And your goalkeeper is a huge part of that as you get to the, you know, as you get to the state playoffs. You know, the kid, that you say, he did set a state record in track or a school record, defensive player of the year in football, all conference and basketball. Do you, do you have a, a, are there colleges that are out trying to get justice? Um, you know, as for his plans, I really haven't had anybody reach out to me for soccer, um, as to what he wanted to do. It's, it's unfortunately in soccer, it's kind of a, there's a lot of coaches that don't enter their stats correctly. And so you've got some kids, uh, showing that they're playing, you know, limited minutes, but they're not entering all the saves or the. Um, information in there and so that you get inflated stats we do a very good job of putting our stats in and try to be you know 99.9 percent accurate with our stats but uh, goalkeepers in the state of Iowa sometimes get overlooked and uh, you know we had a great one you know back in 2014 uh, Spencer Shallow was a young man we had on our squad and he was an incredible goalkeeper he just played his senior year but um, you know sometimes the stats just don't stick out for goalkeepers as they do for, for field players. Well, who was your player that stuck that goal that won the game for you? Uh, Owen Crimpy. He's been one of our leading shot takers this year. Um, he had actually had six shots last night and four of them, which were on goal. Um, he had, a, he had a, he had an excellent opportunity for two other goals, but like I said, their goalkeeper just laid out and how he caught those balls. I don't know, but uh, Owen, you know, we had him on a breakaway. We had a good, good situation where they pressed us high and we caught them and uh jackson pennington played a good ball through to owen and owen had the guy beat and the goalkeeper came out and uh owen's definitely got one of the strongest legs on the on the team and he just locked his ankle and raised his toe and he drove that thing as hard as he could on the ground and it actually went right between the goalkeeper's legs and into the goal so it was a great finish and uh you know it's nice to get that goal back after being called for an offside violation you know about five minutes prior to that where they took a goal off the board yeah so uh i, I was going to ask you something about substitutions and then you're saying you just can substitute at halftime and that's it no 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 you can you can only substitute in the game 
Uh, it's unlimited substitutions for you, but you only get to substitute when you have the ball on a dead on a dead ball situation, which generally is like when the ball goes out of bounds. Um, if you got somebody standing in the box and it's going to be your ball on the, on the throw in, then they will allow the substitutions. But if um, we have say two guys standing in the box waiting to substitute, the ball goes out of bounds and it's, and it's the other team's ball then we are not allowed to substitute. We have to have control of the ball when, when substitutions are allowed. Well, how, how does a coach manage the fatigue? I would imagine a soccer player would get very fatigued in a game. Um, they do. Um, you, first of all, you have to make the kids understand that regardless of what level of play it is, whether it's you know super youth or youth, middle school, high school, professional, the ball is always going to be the fastest thing on the pitch. Period. I mean, nobody is ever going to outrun the ball, regardless of what age they are at. So if you can work with ball management, teach your kids how important it is to keep possession of the ball. Um, for you people that are listening that don't understand soccer, I'm going to break it down real simple for you. If you guys understand basketball, which has been around for years and years and years, just imagine if your team had the ball and instead of passing it to your other teammate, you just took the ball and you just bounced it into the middle of the, of the of the zone. And now all of a sudden it becomes anybody's ball to get it. That's bad basketball. So in soccer, it's the same concept is can you make a pass that's simple? You're not forcing and you just keep possession of the ball, but you're moving it around the, the pitch, which is the same thing as you're moving it around the box in basketball trying to get the defense to move. Some, eventually somebody gets out of space and then you can get somebody slid into a space where a defender made a mistake and then maybe you get a bunny out of it. So it, it, it's, um, you know, soccer is just twice as many people on the pitch as what there is for basketball, but it's still the same concept. Move the ball, move players around, get the defense to make a mistake where somebody slides in offensively and then you pick up your goal. So how many players uh, do you have and how many of them actually get on the field during a game um you have 11 field you have 11 players per team on the field at a time 10 are field players one is a goalkeeper uh you can substitute as many people as you want um you know when we played Sigourney Kyoto here uh about a week and a half ago we knew it was going to be a little bit easier game for us and so we actually divided our starting team into half and then we took our varsity reserve kids and filled the teams. And so when we substituted, um, we substituted 11 people at a time every 10 minutes. So we that so that was all field players and goalkeeper included. Now we knew it was going to be a little bit easier game because it was a younger um, squad. You know, Sigourney Kyoto is just getting up and going. But this way we're able to actually create some type of a challenge throughout our our um, program as to where they were trying to compete against each other. Could squad one score more goals than squad two? Um, but in soccer, at high school level, it's unlimited substitutions throughout the game. But, you know, you want to make sure you can develop as many kids as you can throughout the course of the year because you're always dealing with injuries, just like in football. And then when it gets time, when you get to the state tournament and, you know, postseason play, can you get, you know, five extra kids into the game that didn't start so you can keep your attrition down on your players and keep it, uh, you know, keep the speed of the game up, keep the pressure up, keep the ball moving fast and, you know, just develop more of a team that's hard to beat. 
Well, we're talking to Coach Katie. He's the soccer coach for Mid Prairie Golden Hawks, a, a man with a passion for soccer and uh, instruction. And uh, your team's really doing well. The, so where where is this? Uh, uh, when is the next game and how can we follow it? Uh, we play Monday. We're going to travel to Muscatine to play West Liberty. Uh, sometimes NFHS has a, um, um, a website link that people can actually click on it and watch the games. I haven't seen anything released on that as, as of yet. Um, you know, once again, we do have some people that are posting stuff for us on Twitter. Uh, Nicole Miller, um, she's done a great job of covering our game. She, she is a photographer and she posts over a hundred pictures every time on Facebook. So once again, that's Nicole Miller. Um, you can get on there, you can click and see, look at some of the pictures, some incredible pictures she's had. Uh, Mid Prairie Soccer has a Facebook account that, that posts. And then uh, um, also uh, just through Mid Prairie as well, there's a few uh, Twitter accounts that post uh, Mid Prairie student athletes um, that you can click on to see what, how everybody's been doing for all sports, not just soccer, but for track, football, and everything else. So uh, did you have uh, some some support? Did you have some people come to that first game? The playoff game? You know, it was incredible because it was like one of the best nights we've had all year, finally. This spring season has been, I, honestly, it, I, I've been coaching for 17 years, and this was the hardest season that there's been for getting practices in, for getting games in. Beginning of the year, every game that you played, there was a 30-mile-per-hour wind. It was miserable. It was cold. It was raining. You know, that we had snowflakes coming down on one game that we played. And you just never know how many people are attending because so many people like sit will sit in their cars. They'll park near the fence. You see the cars down there, but you don't see the people. But last night, seeing the support between both of uh, Hillcrest and Mid Prairie people and student body, I would have to say there was between 150 to 200 um, fans down at the game last night. And as a coach you know, working so hard for so many years with youth and, and development. And I mean, there was kids playing on Hillcrest that I have coached in the youth program and, you know, they've just decided to go to Hillcrest. That that was their choice for high school. And, but you know, it, it's nice just to see that many fans down there attending a game and it just helps the kids. It puts a little bit more adrenaline into things. And, you know, as a coach, you just, you feel appreciative that people are actually coming and attending your games and supporting the kids. Well, that, that is, uh, you know, you have a great school and both those schools are great. And, you know, a lot of parents are supporting. So your, your team's played in the snow. They played in the rain. They played in the wind. They played in the cold. They even played in a swamp. You yes. Know, <laughs> half the field is underwater. They played. So, yeah, well, but you may, team, you, you may come up hole. with a, a, a new thing here. Um, you might be playing in some scorching heat. Do you think that would make a, a, a difference? And is your team prepared for that? It, it does make a difference. Uh, if, it, if it gets super hot, the state will probably mandate water breaks at the 20-minute mark. And this is where depth comes into play in the postseason. I mean, um, you know, if you look at uh, varsity bound, you can you can actually, like, check, some, check out some of these teams. And, uh, you know, some of them, they're only playing, you know, two or three kids coming in as subs. And if you start playing teams that, or bringing six or seven kids off the bench, and they're going hard the whole time, you know, that other team's going to get worn down. So, uh, once again, it, building that depth during the course of the year is huge to get to the postseason. And sometimes that can actually be the, the difference in a game where one kid on the other team is just so wore out that he can't get back to play defense while the team that's substituting six or seven guys 
they're coming down the sideline. They continue to bring it at you, and they finally break free, and they get that goal that wins the game. So depth is very important in the postseason. Does soccer have a, a hashtag like a IH soccer, you know, school soccer or something like that? I mean, just the letters or? Um, the Iowa High School Soccer Association is is going to be your um, probably biggest spot that you can click on and kind of see what's going on. And that's um, IAHSSBA.org. But that as your when you get there, that talks about your rankings for every week, and then you can also look through to see what what the kids are getting for awards, all state selections, and everything like that. The uh, Iowa High School Athletic Association website is just kind of a generic, basic thing to give you general information for every team in the state on as to where they're going to go play and stuff like that. And then uh, varsity bound would be your other uh, option to uh, be able to click on and see. You can you can find the games that are played. You can look at scores, see the game, click on it, and then usually uh, there'll be a tab down there where you can click on stats to see you know what team, um, you know who scored, what time they sometimes what time they scored, and uh, also you know the amount of kids that played during the game. Well, coach, your team is the pride of Southeast Iowa right now. They're representing all of us. We're you know all the teams that are out are probably supporting you and, and wishing you well. Is there anything that we didn't get to talk about that you wanted to talk about? Uh, no, not really. I mean, my I do have frustration with our with our pool that we're in, but you know, I'm sure every sport has the uh, same frustration as to where you know how the pools are selected, and sometimes I feel it's a lack of uh, extra effort by the state to try to get good balanced pools. Um, you know, our, like this second round that we're going to go play right now. Any of these four, any of the four teams remaining in our bracket could go to state, and three of them aren't going to go to state. I mean, that's just going to be the way it is. And the three that didn't, uh, that are not going to get to go to state out of this pool, or, or could have probably went to state when they got to state, could have represented themselves well for at least one or two rounds. Well, I do. Um, I do think it, that whoever comes out of this is going to be battle tested, aren't they? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, Burlington Notre Dame sitting down there. I'm not going to. I'm not going to argue. They're they're a solid team. But they don't have anybody even in their bracket this year that's uh, going to give them any problems. You know, honestly, I, I, I'd honestly say they could probably play, you know, half their varsity and then the other half varsity reserve and probably make it to state because there's just nobody that they have that's ranked in their in their um, in their pod. And, you know, the biggest competition, what it looks like right now is Minneapolis. And they had a foreign exchange student that was helping them out so much this year. And he's already taken off and left and went back to his country. So that leaves Minneapolis basically with nobody. So uh, Burlington Notre Dame could possibly 10-0 every team they play to get to state. And, you know, that's just unfair for the rest of us that have to, you know, play these state caliber games to even get to state. And I just think the state could do a better job of when they set these pools going through and getting more of a balance that everybody has a fair chance and you don't have somebody just, you know, walking into state unchallenged, but you get three other teams are going to get knocked out because they get all put in the same pool. Well, George Foreman was once asked, he says, someone says, well, what, why are you so good? All you do is beat bums. And he said, well, they're only bums after I knock them out. Before I knock <laughs> them out, it's a 250-pound guy trying to kill me. You're right, yeah. So, so you never know. These games, they got to play them to find out who's going to win and everything. And uh, 
we wish you the best of luck and hopefully uh tuesday morning we'll be we'll be talking to you again yeah yeah no i mean like i say i, I that, that was a frustration but i you know i've been coaching for 17 years and i still know you still have to win regardless of the opponent and you know that's what we told the kids last night as well is you know, sometimes you get up against these kids and, and, you know, like that game last night, if Hillcrest would have beat us, that could have been their game of the year. That, you know, I mean, that could have been just as meaningful to them as going to state. So you always have to be on your toes. you got to have your kids prepared to play. Well, good luck in the playoffs. Uh, Mid Prairie, the outstanding school with outstanding athletic tradition and uh, having a, just a fantastic year with the football team, the the basketball team, the golf team, the, the track team, everybody's just fantastic over there. And uh, you keep the keep setting the standard high, and we appreciate you. Thanks for being on the show. You bet. Thank you for having me on. Round Guy Radio with news you can use that won't give you the blues. Thanks for listening.